Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm back after a, a, a short hiatus from podcasting with Bournebrook. Um, not quite as long a break as Andrew Neal has had from GB News. And I have still been sharing the content since, but we'll, we'll come to that later in the episode. I'm delighted to be joined as always by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? Good, Michael. It's a lovely day. Bit too hot, but it's nice to look at. It's very much too hot. And, uh, and by Luke Parry. Luke, how are you? I, I, I mean, you, you're saying it's too hot has been an understatement. I've um working in a kitchen for eight hours this morning and um roasting roasting my insides. But anyways, with a mask on, on the as well, of course. You yes, with, with a mask on and a hat. <laughs> there it's you like are. Like a letterbox. At least they don't make you dress up as a clown or like Ronald McDonald. Really. <laughs> you're set probably free. Be, probably be cooler. Absolutely. Well, since we've mentioned masks, we'll, we'll start on a COVID story. We're recording this on the 16th of July. It'll be out on the 17th. And just two days later, on the Monday, it will be Freedom Day. So Yay. the end of all restrictions, the terminus date of lockdown, as Boris Johnson told us. Only it seems from the last few announcements from the government and from ministers and from the Doomster Sage members that that might not actually be the case. Luke, I'll hand over to you on this one. I mean, yes, we, we, we have about three big COVID stories this week, but um, you should start with uh, the, the fable Freedom Day. Freedom Day 2, um, also cancelled. Um, all it seems is, is that masks are, are becoming advisory, but um, if you are a frequent of um, a crit cartoon come true, the jab arms, yep. there's a, a pub in Norfolk is um, demanding that, that its, it's customers take the vaccine and have um, the vaccine card on on their app yep um track and trace will still be a thing self-isolating will still be a thing um any poor commuters on the london underground will still have to um wear a mask by decree of mayor sadiq khan so all freedom day with about five thousand asterisks it seems yeah and it's not just it's not just the politicians forcing this it's not just Sadiq Khan, but also the, the bosses at Sainsbury's, at Tesco, Waterstones, which is very disappointing, um, <laughs> and a host of other, you know, major players, massive retail stores that people go to. Um, but you get a sense uh, anyway that even if this really were Freedom Day, that all restrictions were to be scrapped, um, a big percentage of people would carry on mask wearing regardless of the change in rules because it's it's become a sort of a point of life almost. What Suzanne Mitchie, the sage communist member who wanted masks to stay forever, when she said this was going to become part of our routine, actually she's the victor in all this. And there's an interesting video uh, floating about at the moment of a, a poor chap being thrown off a train because he's not wearing a mask. And I, I, there's an interesting comment on this, which was that if people were really frightened of, of COVID right, and really thought the masks were important because of COVID, they wouldn't be grappling him, going right, put, right up into his face. They'd be keeping their distance and asking him to leave rather than going right mm -hmm. up to him. It, it's made clear by that video, I think, and just by people's interactions with masks generally, that even in people's minds, masks have nothing to do with COVID anymore, but it's, it's just a point of cohesion. It's now it, one of the things that we do. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a symbol of loyalty, right? Yeah. Every every regime has a symbol of loyalty. It's something that um, I mentioned a lot, but um, Havel wrote about perfectly in his book, uh, The Power of the Powerless, where in the Eastern Bloc, it was a sign in the window saying, workers unite, right? And whether you believe it or not, you put a sign in the window 
and it's the symbol that you are loyal to the regime, right? It's basically, it says, leave me alone, essentially. Yeah. If you aren't wearing a mask, you stand out. And it's basically, as we've, as we've seen in the last couple of days, especially with that video of the young lad on the train, if you aren't wearing one, it's, it's, it's fair game to go after you. You are fair game. Mm, absolutely. And, and of course, the other major point, as you hinted at there, Luke, with the, the pub in Norwich, which I'm sure is just the first of many, is vaccine passports. Uh, now, we, we saw in, in France earlier this week um, that Macron has announced essentially that all health workers uh, are mandated to take the vaccine um, and that you can't go anywhere, basically, unless you've been vaccinated in France. You can't visit someone in hospital. You can't go to malls. I believe you can't go to, you know, theatres, restaurants, bars, anywhere. And people were sort of aghast at this uh, in Britain, I think. There's a, although the media, I must say, didn't cover it at all. Um, I remember I, I used my, my grandparents as a barometer for uh, the media's response because they, they don't have internet. They just watch the TV and occasionally read papers. And it, 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 they'd not heard about this story, which says a lot because they, they're interested in the news. Um, so that's, that's what Macron has done there. And it's actually already happening here, which I think is what we should be most worried about, because already people in care homes have been told they must take the vaccine. And it's been heavily hinted that that's going to be extended to other health workers. And um, nightclubs have been urged, is the word, have been told it's their social responsibility to check vaccine passports on the doors. A lot of them have said they won't. LBC reported today that 8 in 10 are going to ignore this, uh, this idea of the social responsibility. But the, the asterisk from the government urging is that if enough don't do this, it'll be mandated. All venues will have to do this. And it, it took 24 hours for it to extend from large indoor venues to pubs and restaurants as well. And then, of course, as you said, we have the story in Norwich. So do we think that what's happening in France is that dissimilar to what's happening here? How quickly might we catch up? Or do you think actually this might be, you know, a bit too tinfoil hassy? Are we, are we not at risk of seeing this introduced in this country on a serious scale? I think the phrase tinfoil hat will, will soon lose all its meaning and place in the English language, given what's happened. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it's just what whatever's happened in most other countries throughout the world has happened here. Lock, lockdowns they quickly spread and now it seems mandatory vaccination is spreading now i, I know um sam michael you talked about the mandatory vaccination in this country in your what's going on episode you should you sh probably should have recorded that a bit later in the day because just in the day in the dead of night parliament convenes and um, votes to mandate some um, vaccination for care home workers yeah. and this this isn't the end game of course the the blocks are put in place now for um, expanding it to other employment categories. You can easily see how it can be applied to hospitality and or if you commute. Well, just so, quickly on that, it, it's actually it was already reported that anybody who works in a care home has to take the vaccine. That doesn't just mean care home staff, but it means the plumber who might come in, the electrician, uh, the electrician who might come in, the decorators who might come in. Yeah, so, well, maybe visitors further down the line, who knows? But you can see, well, that's what's happened in France, as we said, you can see that the, the scope of these things are never as limited as they try and make out. Hmm. It seems if you're not living a cabin in the woods, you're just liable for this. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. This, this is the ratchet. It starts with, you know, essential workers, care home workers, because they're, you know, up close with the vulnerable, and then it goes to hospitality, and then it's in the wider population, and then before we know it, it's annual booster jabs, and, you know, if you don't, if you don't continue to um, comply, then you will be locked out of society. 
And there's going to be a lot of people who say, oh, it's not mandatory because you, you don't have to take it. No one's going to force you to take it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but if you can't, to me at least, if you can't live your life normally without getting a vaccine, it's, it's a mandatory vaccine. Mm, absolutely. Well, this Luke, you wrote a really good piece a few months ago now, which shows... I never like to say this, but we were sort of ahead of the ahead of the curve on this. So a few publications were there too, but not the mainstream. Um, you said that mandatory vaccination in this country won't mean people being dragged out of their homes uh, in some Hannibal Lecter type contraption and, and forced a, with a needle in the arm, but instead means, uh, fine, don't get the vaccine, that's your choice. Although if you don't, you can't do, uh, then a massive list comes out and <laughs> the only thing that remains is breathing. It's the uh, it's, it's the mafia ultimatum. It's, you have a choice, but make the wrong one, and there are consequences. You have you have a choice with a cold breath on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's it's worth on these things always looking at levels of opposition. I mean, the one way of measuring this is polling, but that's always a bit scant. I mean, that recent Ipsos Mari polling suggested that around twenty percent of Brits support permanent. Uh, curfews at 10 p.m. But um, a new uh, polling organization is reported in the Financial Times on Thursday, highlighted that this actually was you know, pretty far off the mark, and that if you changed the questions slightly and, and made them less seemingly pro lockdown, then actually the percentage was closer to three or six percent. So polling is pretty useless. One helpful measure, I think, possibly is looking at demonstrations against new measures. Um, we had Julian Yvonne write a piece for us on Friday um, about what's happened in France and talking about people protesting against the measures, not only those who don't want the vaccine, but people who have been vaccinated and just think that regardless of whether or not it's right to take the vaccine, this is the wrong thing to do. Sam, could you tell us a bit more about sort of the, the level of reaction that has been in France against this new measure? Well, it's... Um, it it's kind of hard to tell and as you were saying michael with the grandparents if you're not on twitter there's almost very few cut through because if you if you do rely on the mainstream of your information it's obviously going to be gatekept the uh, the 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 rather sizable uh anti-lockdown protests in the uk which took you know tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people were completely ignored by the press some things happened in 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 france where um, when the yellow vest first emerged, it was covered for a couple of weeks, and then then it was just sub, uh, it was just you know it was just at the bottom of the pile. Um, yes, the, the, there has been a resurgence in yellow vest protests, uh, not as um, full on as they were when the movement first began a couple of years ago, but um, it's um, it's it's it, it leads into a wider trend, which is. Um, part of the the general crisis we're in which is a breakdown in civil order you mm. know um if anything the uk is sort of quite unique in that it hasn't sent into rioting we've seen rioting in the netherlands in france in spain in italy um obviously in, in the us i can tell you it's um it's bigger than the french government anticipated mm. will that stop them in their tracks or is that just a minor blip well i think the french are quite used to rioting Let's just say yeah. um, they're, they're quite used to a rather animated form of protest. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, what seems to have happened, though, is that the government, like what happened in the UK when the, uh, the British government's uh, tone very briefly changed because they came up against a much larger pool of resistance than they anticipated. I think something similar has happened in France. But, um, but again, um, 
civil order is 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 breaking down almost everywhere and um it it's just it's, it's often particularly pronounced in france so we'll see yeah i mean you were saying about in britain how we've not seen anything the, the most sort of discontent we seem to have seen over the past year at least uh, sort of street level discontent i should say um not the less representative of the wider views has been sort of in favor of the black lives matter view when we saw colston being uplifted and thrown into a local river and 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 uh and statues still being defaced across the country um whatever that achieves but against lockdown very little um but as we we're discussing before the podcast you know we're calling this episode endgame and in a lot of countries around the world it seems as though something is coming to a head it's hard to tell whether that's just because it's it's the news cycle and we're seeing the pictures and it's all very uh, strange seeing these things but actions currently going on in, in cuba for example and in south africa as, as we've been discussing um are you know quite severe hmm. Hmm. Uh, i think the this this level of resistance will, will only get will only get worse with worse with time as, as the true impact of, of lockdown sets in and many have lost their jobs and their livelihoods and will struggle to feed their families whilst still have the sort of damocles of lockdowns looming over them. Yeah. People just break. Yeah, it's worth saying it's, this, it's not all caused by lockdown, but it's still a It's like a, a catalyst in some areas. Yeah. Where it, it massively increases discontent in areas because of joblessness, as you say, and poor mental health. Yeah, GLA Jones came long before COVID, and um, yeah. but uh, they'll stay for the same reasons. Mm. Quite right. Let's take, a, let's take a look at the the other two we're looking at. So we're looking at France, which is directly correlated with um, the introduction of vaccine passports. But the breakdown in Cuba and South Africa is a bit more uh, complex. Let's start with Cuba, which is. Um, it, the the cause of the protest changes depending on on whoever you see whoever you talk to the um the uh, the Cuban government as well as apologists of the American and European left will say that this is just a American sedition um, in Cuba but um others will say that this is a this is a lot of a complete um, mishandling of the uh, of the of the coronavirus in Cuba um, and um. The sense that I get from the the, the protests in Cuba is that the, the people are looking at their leaders, who, in the in in you know in in, in this time, not only are they tyrannizing them, but they're completely abandoning them too. Um, yeah, and the 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 relationship between the people and their rulers, wherever you go in the world, are, are so fractured at the moment. It's such a you know it's such a, a toxic and unsustainable relationship where it's either fear, uh, suppression, or just complete abandonment. Um, yeah, I think Cuba, Cuba is a is a bit of a, a bit of a, a um, canary in the coal mine here. Mm. And your other example, of course, was in South Africa. What what do you make of, of that? Situation? Well, South Africa is it's it's. I don't believe it's related to anything COVID. It's um, the uh, former president Jacob Zuma um, of the uh, I, I believe of the ANC, the um, the generally leftist uh, coalition in South Africa, has been arrested for corruption charges I, I believe he's facing a like a, a, a year and a bit in prison it sparked massive violent uprisings um in rural parts of the country and the, what what's happening as a result of these riots are going to create more problems down the road what what i'm hearing is happening is um 
that uh, supermarkets and food stores are being looted and then burned down. So not mm. only are they being destroyed, but the food supply is then being squeezed out. And now that now is a massive food shortage in the country, which is just going to create more problems, more more desperation, more aggression, and more violence and more bloodshed. Yeah, we saw we saw videos of um of homesteaders in a line with rifles, literally defending their property from a, a mob who are approaching them over the hill. Mm. Going on about Cuba, I, I don't know much about South Africa, but I know back in the early stages of this pandemic. The- Cuba, the Cuban government and um, apologists for the communist regime tr- tried to brag about um, the country's handling of COVID by saying that it could export scientists out. Well, um, that, that those achievements sort of faded to dust, really, when um, they figured out what hmm. a poorly developed country was up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right, Luke. We're, we're in a crisis. We're in the crisis, you know. Um, it's all coming up now and um yeah and, and you know violence and bloodshed in the streets is just a symptom of a wider crisis that we're going through well on that cheery note we'll um we'll move on to the last well the, the second to last story i should say we've, and th- this story is um relating i suppose you could say in a, in a small sense to you know people's criticism of regimes um one manner in which people do this across the world is through social media. And uh, one of the ways to do this without get, getting into much trouble is by doing it anonymously. But there's been some calls uh, in recent weeks, some calls which have been around for a while, but it seems to have reared its head again, um, especially, I imagine, in light of um, the story relating to football and racism, uh, which is a sort of a separate topic altogether, but it's slightly related. Um, some calls to get rid of the ability for people to remain anonymous whilst commenting on social media. Sam, this was, this was your story, mm-hmm. Yes, well, you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you, when you mentioned um, the, the mechanisms of a regime. The regime must, in order to function with hegemony, it must stamp out uh, enclaves of freedom. Now, the internet has been slowly taken away from us as that enclave of freedom for a while now. You know, um, the Silicon Valley companies, which have basically now monopolized public communications, um, are not free platforms anymore if you're not of the right politic. Um, now, this is so before we get into this, something I want to mention, and, and you said that this has been happening for a while now. Well, this is an article on BBC Newsround. Bear in mind, Newsround is aimed at. Uh, kids and teenagers Child's version, yeah. yes it's uh it's from february of this year and it said should people be allowed to be anonymous online well yes is the, is the short answer to that because it's it's not civilized it's not a feature of a free and civilized country that people un that people have to be traceable at all times you know, online anonymity is is vital. It's vital for people who are whistleblowers, people who are in a certain line of work and thus can't voice themselves. If, like there are many um, situations where somebody, in order to speak their mind, has to do it anonymously. And after the the football, um, the the big talking point was um, the, the supposed rampant racism in the UK. I mean, it's time has shown us that uh, the story was completely blown out of proportion utterly but what happened afterwards was interesting where uh there's a wave of blue checkmark accounts sharing a petition for the government to basically scrap online anonymity and require 
social media users to upload their identity documents um which i mean if that comes to pass then what will essentially happen is there'll be a data there'll be a government database of everyone's social media accounts and activity i mean surely if if you had to use identity to create an account you could still technically name your account something different it's just that the people who ran whatever social media account it was knows who you are so if the account got reported right, but, you had to track you is that is that right but that, but that yeah yes but that, that information is there it's digital information so digital, if it's digital information it can be hacked it can be sold yeah well my yeah my point was that um oh, hang on a minute no that wasn't my point moving on to um no, no matter scrap that luke do you want to say something yeah well i think just the motivation to push this through comes from people who are either a too privileged to know that they're too privileged or just pure busybodies who are so drunk on power at this point because i mean at one time in history you'd wish for your views to be anonymous and in this highly partisan age of political intolerance it's it's vital but it's, and uh, but it's, the, the only reason they want to scrap this is because they want to get the dissidents there's no yeah, other reason yes, yes. It, it is it is hyper partisan times but one side of that partisan divide is dominant right yeah. so the people calling for this are the socially and politically advantaged class because mm -hmm. they know deep down they know and they won't tell you this because they're dishonest people but they know that if you're a progressive or if you're a left wing you can do or say basically whatever you want and you'll yeah. get, you, you get away with it yeah i think if if the anonymity were removed then it would sort of only benefit one side because it, it, it would prevent most people on the right from wanting to add our views I, I must say here my my gut reaction to hearing that anonymity should be scrapped isn't wholly negative i do understand not their reasoning for it because as we say their reasoning is to draw out the conservatives and to cancel them whereas there is a, a proper reason which is that discussion over the internet is pretty vile uh, and abusive because of anonymity it's not the only you know uh result of anonymity but it's it's one of the big ones i think and that people feel that because their name isn't on something they can say whatever horrible despicable thing possibly that they don't even believe in some cases just to be insulting uh, and sure, horrible. Sure, sure but like in, in the digital age it's never been easier to ignore someone yeah well, that might be true, but that's, that's not to say that this thing is is good in the first place. But this, at the end of the day, though, is just simply a result of internet and social media. Um, if we were to hold our public discussions only in proper public places, eye to eye, it would be very different. So, of course, the, the reason people are abusive isn't just because of anonymity. Even people who use their names uh, can be abusive because they're sitting behind a keyboard rather than in front of the person who they are being abusive to. So it, it is, it's not a difficult question, I suppose, when we consider who it is that's pushing this and they, they can always get there in the first place. Yeah. And of course, the other drawbacks of, of people being monitored and things like this. But it is, it's a separate question which is flagged up by this, the sort of cruelty on the internet, the stupidity of the internet that needs to be addressed. Uh, in one way or another, not by scrapping anonymity, of course, but needs to be addressed nonetheless. I mean, sure. One step would be to get people off social media in the first place, or to sort of lower usage from younger ages. But that 
it seems at this time is impossible. There is a difference between prolonged harassment and just voicing your opinion. I mean, like, it, um, I I can see why the action wouldn't be whole negative, but like, you, you have to see that the baby would inevitably get thrown out of the bathwater here. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, yeah. I don't deny that. Or, or I'm, I'm almost a separate question, which is raised as a result of this question mm. that I was thinking of. That uh, actually, I think that people use anonymity in bad ways, but that that in itself, the fact that someone does something for a bad reason, isn't always a, a cause for removing it. Mm-hmm. Luke, well, um, it, it can have many. Yeah, there's many arguments for, for this. I mean, I mean if, if social, social media disappeared, every, everyone's life would change over, overnight. And I, w- I would like to see social media banned for younger ages and as, as well as awareness on the effects it has on the brain. It's, when you open Facebook, you don't see like what you would see on the pack of, package of a cigarette. So, um, yeah, yeah, social media is toxic. Social media is nasty. but uh, uh, And I think people being nasty on it, it is by its very nature. And as Sam says, it's very, very easy to block people. And I think that's a good mitigating fact. There are... I think for the purposes of ensuring discourse mm. and the bad actors can't get at someone's life, although they can st- mm. they still do that anyways, it's yeah. an- anonymity is necessary. Look, f- freedom freedom isn't free, right? But it, but it, no. it's, it's worth the price. And there are some things you yeah. need to put up with because once you lose freedom, you don't get it back, right? Yeah. And just dealing with pricks online is just part of that trade-off. It's it, it's just the hazard of the workplace, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Should, should, we, should we move along there? Yeah, no problem. Um, okay. Well, one workplace which has seen many hazards recently, but mainly in the, the viewing figures department, has been GB News. Um, now it was we've we've talked about GB News quite a lot. I think I wrote about it briefly at one stage. We weren't between us particularly optimistic, um, and I think again we've seen some reason why that uh, that optimism might have been unfounded from the beginning. Um, of course, the big story from this week is that one of the sort of staffers at, at GB News having taken the knee on air, and the Guardian reports quite hilariously that GB News's audience again briefly dipped to zero at 5pm uh, during the programme when, uh, you know, after the knee taking, essentially. So the, the audiences are agreeing now that this is pretty much a lost cause of a programme. And, you know, people have been stepping up saying about the, the freedom of speech argument with him being able to do this, which, of course, is quite right. Nobody suggested someone shouldn't be allowed to do this. But I think the problem was the oversimplification of the argument and, you know, just the fact that, you know, supposed well-seasoned presenters couldn't link the idea that taking the knee was a political thing heavily linked to Black Lives Matter which is sort of dumbfounding um, and of course the low experience of the other presenter at the time who sort of was unable to say anything has, has been particularly unimpressive most of the times I've watched because they have no experience in presenting um, no proper experience in any case and just don't really know what they're doing I think the, the program is really it, it seems to me crumbling apart at this point Mm-hmm. Well, I was saying right. I was saying right at the start of the, the GB News run that this was like if we if, if we if people like the three of us wanted content that was going to cater to our um, our views on things, it, we were never going to find that on television. No, 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 never, wouldn't, never. It's it's it just it just wouldn't get past the gatekeeping. Um, the, the stuff for us is online, online only. This is for people who are 
disaffected, but like, but not necessarily particularly uh, high caliber. Well, yeah. Tories, I think, as well, is mm. part of the thing. It's it's not that we need something that you know we necessarily just enjoy watching, but it's you need a we need a program or an outlet where opinion is presented, not opinion, but news is presented from a specific standpoint. I think the point is that the commonalities in speech, the sort of reference points, you know, whereas The Guardian would use certain reference points, I think a conservative publication would use other reference points and not need to explain certain things on, on the understanding that readers know what's going on there. They, when, when talking about, you know, patriotism, there's the understanding that it's not the GB version, GB news version of patriotism, which is, you know, internationalism and leaving the European Union so you can trade and get immigration from, from further areas of the world and at greater levels, but instead sort of focusing at home. Um, I think that's mainly it. It's not necessarily about opinion, it's just approach. And GB news, as expected, has completely failed on this. So much so that even Andrew Neil uh, apparently uh, appears to be stepping back. He He's taken a, a few weeks off, um, and despite the Guardian says having posted dozens of tweets, he's not once mentioned GB News in about the fortnight, and hasn't shared any of its material, which I find quite amusing. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad you came back from Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, what while the phrase "the end game" um, is slightly more ominous with the other um, stories we've we've covered this this week. Um, I think the GB News Endgame is a bit more whimsical. Um, it's you know it's a it's an experiment that fell flat on its face, and it's funny that the the viewers dropped to zero after the knee taking because it, it's a almost a masterclass in not knowing your audience. Yeah, I think that's right, and it's I think it was drummed up as being this great thing, and there's really high expectations, um, and they. It's, it's what they did with Brexit to an extent. They made it look like it would be this great alternative vision. Um, yet Brexit was really about, as I say, just carrying on the sort of um, the, the, what's the word? Neoliberal status quo. Yeah, neoliberal status quo. Carrying that on, but out of the European Union instead, in which case it was able to do even more down that vein. Uh, the difference is, is that, you know, after Brexit was passed, voters didn't have to stay tuned every day to see what was going on. But if you want a television program to carry on being successful you can't build people's expectations up as being a proper alternative to the bbc and then um expect to get away of it when that's not what happens i mean the guy who took the knee you've just reminded me luke was a former presenter on the bbc most of the presenters most of the presenters are former itv bbc channel 4 etc um and it's just sky news i mean um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Some of these people are experienced, clever, and a lot of them don't give their views away, which is good, but others of them um, are just exactly what it was that GB News said it would be against and has really failed them. Um, I mean, GB News, it, it tried to create, a create the Fox News culture. It, it modelled itself on a British Fox News, but that model does not work here. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. We're, um, and, and the true alternative to the BBC is... YouTube. Yeah, it, it's the it's it's the grassroots. It's hmm. these digital back alleys. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, when 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 you try and take on you know BBC and ITN and Sky on their you know in their medium, it's always going to be an away game. Whereas here, you know, for people our age, we're digital natives. We're we, we're accustomed. We're much more accustomed, much more comfortable with 
um, online content, and that's just that's where it was going to go. They were never going to win over young listeners because we just we just don't really watch TV. Yeah, yeah precisely. Um, well, I think on that we can probably call it a week this time. Uh, it's been good being back. I'll be here again next week. You'll be pleased to hear, and the week after that. And uh, thanks as always for tuning in. We've got an announcement on Monday for a new series, and a, uh, which will sort of launch on Friday. So I look forward to that. Thanks all again. We'll see you next week.